0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk to the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops. I'm your host. And today I'm excited to have a returning guest, um, uh, Mr. Brian Meeks. Welcome back to the show, Brian. Hey, Nathan. I'm glad to be here. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So you have a new book out. Um, you have... You, of course, came on the show previously to talk, to talk about uh, Mastering Amazon Ads, but now you're yep. back with Mastering Amazon Descriptions. Um, can you tell people a little bit about um, this book and what the, what people can expect from it?
1: Yeah, well, the book was sort of born out of the original Mastering Amazon Ads because in that book, I talked at length about the need for understanding how well your description converts. Are you using proper copywriting to take advantage of those clicks that you're paying for to try to get people to read your book? And so I had a chapter in Mastering Amazon Ads about that. This book is a much more detailed look. And honestly, since I launched Mastering Amazon Ads in July of 2017, I've done considerably more research And this is a book that goes through, I think I have 40 or so descriptions that I worked on with authors, and I analyzed them, the original ones that they had, Mm. and then we rewrite them to be proper copywriting, because the difference between the way most descriptions, and when I say most, I mean 100% of traditionally published books descriptions and 99.99% of indie authors they do a summary of the book and I've shown with math mm-hmm. I love I love the M word I've shown that those descriptions on a 4.99 book convert at about 1 in 30 meaning you have to pay for 30 clicks to get a new reader mm-hmm. and just to be clear most people are exclusive so when I say convert I am not saying get a sale, I'm saying get a sale or a KU, a KU subscriber to download your right. book. Now, obviously, the people that are not exclusive, would, conversions would just be sales, but the point being is that a proper description takes only 10 clicks. Sometimes it's few as eight. Which, to is, get it, read which is which fantastic because people
0: are obviously spending a, a great deal of time and money and effort trying to get people to come to their sales pages or to see to read their book descriptions. You spend a lot of time and oftentimes a lot of money getting exactly. someone just to land on that page, only to have you know twenty nine out of thirty of them not buy the book. So exactly. um, it's, it's very inefficient and um, a big waste of money if you're not doing it right. Um, so it's fantastic that you've been able to get those kind of numbers, where you've been able to, you know, drop that down to a one in ten and one in twelve. That that is a fantastic conversion rate for for anyone.
1: Uh, well, right? and and I should mention that I am sort of right now. I'm in the process of going through my books again because the the deal with copywriting is it gets easier with time. One becomes. Like with anything in life, if, if you do a lot of it, you'll improve your skill. And my skill as a copywriter has improved over the last couple of years that I've been really focused on it. And over the last six months where I've spent a lot of time working on the book, those hours put into doing all sorts of varied descriptions from varied genres and so forth yeah. have improved my skill. And so I'm going back through my descriptions now and we're going to later I think show an example from Henry Wood Detective Agency which is my third description. The first yeah. one converted at 1 in 30 to 1 in 35. The next one which was better converted at 1 in 10 to 1 in 12. This one converts at 1 in 8. And so if somebody is listening to this then even if you improve your descriptions in six months you, sh- you may want to do it again because you may be better at
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. We all improve with time, and also this is such a fast-changing uh, industry. The, the things that were uh, status quo before are no longer. You know, like uh, we absolutely. cannot get stuck in routines. We cannot get uh, you know caught in this trap of thinking I can just set this and forget it. And never have to deal with this again. I think that's a, a huge mistake that a lot of authors make. And obviously, your, your point is that, you know, we should be on this stuff. We should be practicing yeah. and honing our craft in, in copywriting. Um, Absolutely. One of the things that I like about you is that you're very data focused. You, you don't just say, this is how it is, and this is theoretical, but, you know, like, it worked for me, so you should try it. Because you're, you're actually very opposed to that. You're very opposed to just do what other people are doing. Because sure. they say so, you do things because the math backs it up. you actually yeah. test it, um, which is not something that a lot of authors are great at. We're not we're saying, oh, we're over here being creative and we're um, writing our books and just throwing them out there and hoping things happen for us. Yeah. But, um, so for the average writer who maybe doesn't love math the way that you love math, um, how do we first go to look at our descriptions and see like because it's possible that we might be doing great with this description but we have to have a sort of a baseline. We have to figure out yes, whether absolutely. our whether our description is terrible or good or you know whether our new description like obviously if we're making more versions of this we have to know whether they improve or, or decrease our sales. That,
1: and that's that's absolutely important. So where should we start? You, you you want to begin with take a time period where you didn't have a book bub or something that completely skews your data and over that time you were running some sort of pay-per-click advertising. So let's say that you have a 90-day span where you did AMS ads, Amazon ads, and you look at your book, look at all of the ads over that time period, and figure out how many clicks. So that's the first thing you need. If it's 7,380 clicks across all the ads that were going to that book, you write that down. Then the next step is, the easy one, is for that same time period, look at how many sales you had and you write that number down. The next thing is a little trickier in that, again, many people are exclusive to Amazon and so they have KU page reads. Mm -hmm. So you need to know what your KENPC number is. And this is different than the number of pages that would be on the description page, which is based on your print book. Mm-hmm. You want to go into your your bookshelf and into promote and advertise and then scroll down a bit and there's a line that says uh, K-E-N P C version 3.0 and that that number, maybe it's 308, that number represents the number of pages that you will get paid for in KU if a person reads your book in its entirety, and we need that number because we take the total page reads over that same 90-day period, say 90,312, we divide it by 308, and then whatever number you get, you know, 300 and some, you round up to the next one because you can't have half a person... Yeah, yeah, yeah. so It's it's, it's it's always one more you know, you always round up to the next whole number. And so you take that number that you get from the KU page reads, the number of downloads, and you add it to the number of sales to get a total number. Okay. And then you simply take that seven thousand three hundred and eighty two clicks that you had, divide it by the number of sales. conversions. Yeah, the, the sales, uh, yeah <laughs> and it, I, I, I say conversions because mm-hmm. in this day and age, and this is an important thing For people to understand, sales, which is the metric that everyone looks at, are increasingly becoming less important.
0: Mm. And
1: I say that because two years ago, the number, the distribution of conversions was 50% of the people that were your new readers paid for your book. They bought it. 50% Yeah, fifty percent it and Ku. The skew now is it's thirty to thirty-five percent buy your book, and sixty, uh, you know, sixty-five to seventy percent are it. Down, right. downloading it yeah. through Ku. So that means that if you're only focused on the the minority, the people that buy it, and you've always done it that way. Well, your numbers look like they're getting worse, like like you're not getting as many new readers, but you Mm -hmm. are. It's just that they're coming in through KU. So the point is clicks divided by conversions equals conversion rate.
0: Yeah. So you can figure out your existing conversion rate before we go tinkering around with our descriptions and and changing things. That way we have some sort of metric of understanding whether we're actually making any difference or causing causing an improvement.
1: I, I should mention in this book, I made a conscious decision. I didn't, I laid off a lot of the the math because mastering Amazon descriptions I frightened a lot of people. Either it's very math heavy, and or I mean mastering bad. Amazon, yeah. I, I frightened a lot of people. So I have a couple instances where I talk numbers mm-hmm. in there, but mostly I don't. Maybe I should have done more math. I, you know, I got some bad reviews because people. That, that love math and are used to my writing expected more yeah. math. So, uh, that's uh, you know maybe I will go back and refresh it in six months or something and add in more data for those people. That's the beauty of self-publishing. We can do that. Yeah. But for now, if you're a math phobe out there, I I go over the basics of how you calculate your math, but I don't go into like all forty of them. I don't. I'm not talking yeah. about the numbers. And we should—I
0: uh, should, should say—I've that I've read uh, the first few chapters of this book, and I will say that it's—it's it's very entertaining. This sounds like a dry subject, but um, Brian has a, a unique sense of humor, which I'm sure not everyone gets your sense of humor or necessarily loves I'm your sure. sense of humor. <laughs> but for the most part, i, I enjoy it. Um, and it's your—you have a sort of a goofball way of approaching this, Absolutely. even though it's a—a a, a sort of a dry subject. You know, advertising and math it isn't the most fun thing in the world. Um, but it obviously works for a lot of people. Um, we had a comment from Alex Nichols who was watching. He says, yay, Brian Meeks' first book was a game changer for me, he says.
1: So, Oh, well, Alex is very nice. Thank yeah. you, Alex.
0: Yeah, and so I, I see Marilyn is watching. She says hi. We've got uh, quite a few other people watching. So if you have questions during this um, interview with Brian and you want to ask your questions, this is a live episode. The whole fun of doing this live episode is definitely you know, throw up your comments and questions, and I will do my best to, to relay them to Brian. Um and yeah, Marilyn says I'm not fond of book report type summaries. I want emotion or connecting with a character from the blurb. That's a good point point I'm sure we'll um kind of get into that about what readers are really actually looking for in a description. Well,
1: and 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 that that comment there is y- y- the uh, who who made the comment about the, the emotion um, That was Marilyn. Okay, yeah, Marilyn, the the thing that you want to understand is that the descriptions that we're writing are not prose and that's where people go awry. We're writing advertising copy. Mm-hmm. Our, our goal is to convince a person to spend their time with our book. Now, it's an entirely different skill set to write copywriting to get people to enjoy your book than it is to write a book that they love and then want to tell their friends. It's, yeah. it's different skill sets. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the tendency for authors is to try to use their prose skills and write beautiful characters or you know, to connect or what have you. And that's not necessarily the point. What we want to do in With our descriptions, is we want to open with a hook, and the best example of hooks out there, everyone's seen them. You're on a news website, you scroll to the bottom, and there's clickbait. We all know what clickbait is. It says, "You won't believe the way, you won't believe how Ally McBeal looks today," Mm -hmm. and there's a picture of the old Ally McBeal uh, from the show and uh, Callista Flockhart. And you have to click. You don't want to click. You know that it's going to be 40 pages of clicking through until you get to the picture of how she looks today. And it's probably going to be the same as she looked 20 years ago. But you're so curious. That is brilliant copywriting. And it achieved its goal of getting you to click. For our descriptions, our goal with the opening hook is not to sell the book It's to get them to read the description, which is where Mm. people go awry. When you have an opening paragraph that's five or six lines long, in this day and age, with our attention spans on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, our our attention spans are so fractioned. Yeah, and we're being trained by that. that We're being trained to only... Uh, you know, we're 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 trained to look for the likes. I just mm-hmm. put a picture. It says, I don't know, feeling cute, may write a novel today. I want to go back and check. Did people like my picture of me? Did they think it was funny? Did I get the the laugh or the love, the little heart? And I'm checking mm-hmm. that. It's that instant gratification. Well, the irony is, we're selling a product that requires, in the use of that product to have focus and tune everything out. Mm-hmm. But people don't switch into that mode until they've bought it, until they put the kids to bed, until they're ready to read. At the point mm-hmm. that they're at your description, they're still in Facebook mode. Yeah. So if you write three paragraphs of five lines each, you might as well have written a 10,000 word essay. They're not going to read it. Yeah. And that's what's important to understand.
0: Yeah and i think that's that's very evident in the way that you we can talk about this I'm sure is the way you even structure the visual of your description yes. um, and of course you know like description is kind of a misnomer at this point like an amazon yes. description well, is, we're, we're not describing at this exactly. point exactly we're like you say and you say mentioned in the book you're you're hinting at what the reader is going to experience but yes. you're not describing what's happening in the book which, exactly. you know, or maybe minimally describing what's happening in the book. But, um, you know, yeah, you're you're taking, you want, you're want you inviting them on a ride, basically, and telling them how they're going to feel on that ride. You're not describing the ups and downs of the ride, which I think Perfect. is, is uh, a really smart and savvy way to, to shift gears. Because, like you said, we're tired of reading these book descriptions that are blocks of paragraphs that just tell us so-and-so's name in such-and-such kingdom doing such-and-such thing, right?
1: Yeah, we, we, and some people go to such extremes that when you get done reading their synopsis of the book, you don't need to read the book.
0: Yeah,
1: it, it, it's. It, I mean, it's like the, movie, right right the now, movie
0: trailer that gives away the entire movie.
1: Yeah, right now the most common thing I see on Facebook is please no Avengers spoilers. People don't want to know what happens in the Avenger movie until they go spend their three hours. They don't want to know what happens in the book. And the we talked about this before the show. The biggest misnomer in advice on doing anything with self-publishing is, oh, go look what the successful people are doing. Betty Lou is making a million dollars a year, so she must be doing it right. Mm -hmm. No, that is a fallacy. Betty Lou might be making a million dollars a year in spite of doing it the way everybody does it. How many millions is she leaving on the table? Well, going back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, if she's converting at 1 in 30, and she could be converting at 1 in 10, Mm. she's leaving $2 million a year on the table because she doesn't have proper copywriting. When I went back through my numbers, because... I I like data as you mentioned. When I first took up copywriting, it was after a period where I had gone for sixty days, and this is not an exaggeration, it was sixty days exactly, where I had a book, a thriller that I didn't want to write the description for. Everything was done. I had written the I had registered the ISBN number, I had put the book in, it was edited, polished, the cover art was in, the pricing was done everything was figured out i had one box left to fill in and that was the description and then i could hit publish that was it and the first night it was late man you know what i don't want to do the description i'll do it tomorrow tomorrow came and i said the same thing and on the 60th day two months later i finally wrote a one block paragraph synopsis of the book hit publish and was relieved for about 30 seconds and then the little voice in my head said are you kidding me you waited 60 days to write 300 words of crap why don't you reach out to your friend sean platt sean platt from the self-publishing podcast prior to being an author was a world-class copywriter so i have a friend that knows how to do it Mm -hmm. and he suggested some books i got started and when I first redid my Henry Wood Detective Agency description, the impact was immediate. I, I, I saw conversions improving right away. And so I went back through, and this goes back to my point about understanding leaving money on the table. I recalculated what I would have made the previous 12 months if I had the same conversion rate that I was then getting after having... Redone the descriptions. Yeah, and I left sixty thousand dollars on the table. Now, some people would say, "Oh, did you feel awful?" No, I felt great because while I left sixty thousand dollars on the table, I could have not learned copywriting, mm-hmm. and over the course of my career, left millions on the table. So, yeah. I, I was I was excited that I found out yeah this glaring problem at that point
0: you found an answer to this problem, even though yes. you know it was maybe a while in coming, but yeah. the majority, but you're way ahead of most people because most people are still writing things the old way and still leaving all that money on the table so, yeah, everywhere
1: yeah. absolutely it's, it's yeah. and it's even
0: still being taught as the correct way of doing it, which is um
1: you know well again, most people and in defense of, of those who are preaching write a synopsis. They maybe haven't done the math. Mm-hmm. They haven't necessarily tried something else. And their reasoning—you have to understand—it's it's very powerful reasoning. Mm-hmm. Betty Sue's making a million dollars. How could she be doing it wrong? Right. Well, well, she is. But all of her friends that are making a million dollars are doing it the same way. And obviously, there's so,
0: a scale. It's not necessarily. Wrong, but it's inefficient. We will say that well, like, I,
1: I, if you're leaving, yeah, I would say it's wrong. It, right. and that, it, it works on, to
0: some level. Obviously, they're selling books, so
1: it's not completely, you know, well, but but they're selling them for other reasons. Yeah. They're selling them because, I mean, Stephen King he sells books because he has a massive fan book base and they're really good writers. Yeah. And all of the other descriptions that people are looking at, the the, uh, the the competitors for Stephen King all do the descriptions the same way. Mm-hmm. So they're used to that. They're, so that's what people are used yeah. to. The realities are though the ones that then learn copywriting and do it effectively now. And I said this quote in our before we started the show: "In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king." Mm-hmm. And so. It's again. They're doing what everybody else is doing, but there's a better way, and the math is clear.
0: Yeah, and so it's nice hearing that kind of confidence um, come from you about this method. Because obviously, you have the math to back it up. You've done the testing. And you've done. I've these done it with hundreds, yeah. hundreds of authors. a lot of other people, and they're and are seeing consistent uh, results, which which I well, think is great.
1: Th- there is one chapter in the book where I do talk a little bit about numbers. I redid a description for a guy whose book was converting at about 1 in 30 or 31, somewhere in there. And we redid it, and it went down to 1 in 27. Well, that's an improvement, but it wasn't a great improvement. And so him and I got back on a Skype call, and I I said, you know, it's better, but I'm really not happy with the numbers. And so can I ask you a question? He said, sure. How important is, to the whole story, the harvesting of organs? Because our description was entirely organ harvesting focused. And I told him, I said, you know what? When I rewrote that description, I don't even like reading it. It grosses me out. And he said, well, it wasn't that important. I said, well, then let's focus on an element that isn't using the phrase harvesting organs. Yeah. And he reported back that, yes, that did the trick and it got much better. And so you don't always nail the hook or nail the theme that is going to reach out and grab the readers in your genre on the mm-hmm. first try. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, you know, we're going to give an example of Henry Wood here where my first try, went, it was 1 in 30. Then I learned copywriting, 1 in 10 to 1 in 12. And now this one converts at 1 in 8. And so I continue to improve. Uh, Are you able to share the screen now? Would this be a good time
0: Um, to... Let me see if I can get it up. I'm trying to um, do that now. And we'll see if... uh, We can see you, but it's not showing my uh, Amazon page here that I have pulled up. So let me see if I can't uh, share the current application. Share the entire screen. Let's do this. All right, so we have it up. We have um, Henry Wood Detective Agency available for people to see here. And um, let me see if I can't uh, scroll down the
1: page a little bit. There we go. So I, what I'd like to do is just read this description from top to bottom and sort of, Click on the... stream, of conversa- stream of consciousness, talk about what's going on in this description. So the first thing you'll notice, the cover is sort of art deco. It is art deco. And that speaks to... The period, and I want you to keep that in mind. So, actually, before you click read now, so, so leave it right there. Don't click read now.
0: Well, it's already yeah. on there, and I don't, I can't really change
1: it. Oh, but up to that oh, point, wait. I
0: think it gets up to uh, maybe. Would this be client be the exception
1: before it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, no, that, that that's fine. So, uh, the first three lines, which we call above the fold. Henry knew one thing. Dot dot dot. Yeah. I I, I often misuse ellipses mm-hmm. in copywriting. Because I don't care about the rules. I care about getting conversions. So back to the beginning. Henry knew one thing. Games were trouble. Would this client be the exception? Question mark. Now, that is all that's above the fold. Remember what I said earlier. The goal of the opening hook is to get them to read the next line. And I actually have three hooks here. So mm-hmm. Henry knew one thing. Nobody's going to stop reading there.
0: Uh, They don't know what the one thing
1: is yet. They don't know what the one thing is. And then dames dames were trouble. Okay. Well, when was the last time you used the word dames?
0: Nobody's used it since... Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It's it's a period piece word. And so that paints a picture that when you combine it with the Art Deco cover has meaning. Would this client be the exception? Well... Again, that's a hook. We, we need to know the answer. So we, we continue on. She walked in, sat down, crossed her legs, and asked for a light. Boy, could she cross a leg. Before the woman had told him why she needed a detective, Henry wondered if she was playing him. It was something about her. The red lips and smoldering eyes were just a little too perfect. She knew how to get her way. And the dress? She wore a dress that would make an hourglass self-conscious. Was it the damsel in distress act? This was the second one he'd seen this week. Something wasn't adding up. 1955 was going to be an interesting year. You'll love this noir mystery with a twist because everyone loves a broken detective trying to do what's right. And and for those people... I never talk about the book. Right. Right. The whole description is hooks and painting a picture, a picture that would be intriguing to somebody that wants to read a detective story, and it's right. it's got the line in there, she wore your dress that would make an hourglass self-conscious, which again is a throwback to the Pulp Fiction days of writing. Mm-hmm. It speaks to the era, was it the Damsel in Distress Act? Okay, yeah. that's a little bit of a hook, but I add to it, this was the second one he'd seen this week. It well, was, what's the first one? You right. have to buy the book.
0: Yeah, and for people who are just listening to the podcast and don't have the visual up on the screen, um, I definitely recommend you know checking out this, this author page on Amazon. But you, one of the things that you can see here that you're doing that's very visually distinctive is that, um, obviously, a lot of blank space. You've got double spaces in between every couple of lines. And well,
1: it, it, it's actually technically one blank line in between each of these. Okay. So, but on the the, front the, the
0: effect is a double space on the actual yep. page. Looks like. And then um, you don't have you don't go more than two lines without a space. Like um, I think that the biggest paragraph we see here is it's like a sentence and three quarters long. worth of line space blocked up. I mean, it's more than one sentence, but it's it's as far as overall page width. Like you only take up the entire width of the page with three lines um, and the rest are partial lines. And the majority of your sentences here are, you know, less than eight sentences or less less than eight words, rather. um, And it's very easy bite sized pieces of text.
1: Yeah. And all of the descriptions in my book. Again, I have 40 of them. They all sort of fit this format where I try not to. I rarely go over three lines. Kind of the sweet spot in most cases is one or two paragraphs with two and a half lines. Because mm-hmm. I've I've seen people then take it to extremes and they do twenty lines of six words or less. Well, right. visually that turns into a giant block of text. Right. Need, it, everything, everything is. Just We need variation, and that's as important as the words. And so when a person opens up my description, because, again, thinking back to the way people shop, they get to your page somehow, whether it's organic or a link on an ad, they've landed there, and when they open it up, if they see three giant blocks of text, that is very heavy. That's daunting. We don't want that. Think about when you're on Facebook, and you're scrolling down, And a friend has posted something about their their new puppy. Mm -hmm. And you open it up and it's 18 lines in one giant block. Nobody reads that. Right. And 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 I have to give some numbers here because one of the ways I've gotten better at copywriting is if you hold down control or if you hold down shift when you hit enter, Mm -hmm. on Facebook you can add in blank lines. And so in the the group 20 books to 50k, which I I love, it's a wonderful group, Mike Lyon DeLay's group, and I used to post things when people would ask questions. I would often write a response as my own post, and before I started using copywriting with blank lines in the formatting, I would get 50 people or so that would like it and five to ten comments. Mm -hmm. I have have since, and there's, I think, eight or ten examples in the book of articles I've written that are relating to this business but I use copywriting. The longest one I have is 1,500 words in a Facebook post. Yeah, It got 750 likes and loves and over 300 comments.
0: Yeah,
1: And I did it because I used open open loops. I used hooks throughout it. I had small paragraphs, and the formatting was just like what we talked about. And because of that, I was able to, on a Facebook post, Get people from start to finish over fifteen hundred words.
0: Yeah, which which is amazing. And I've read some of these posts and sometimes I've I've finished reading a post and I'm like, why did I just read all of that? Like I was busy, I was doing something else. I I didn't need to sit here and read this entire you know story. It's the power of copywriting. It is, it is the power of copywriting and you wanna read when you've got only just one more little sentence to go, you wanna read that next sentence because um, it's a snippet. That, it's a little bite-sized piece. It's like potato chips. You just keep – you're like, oh, one more won't hurt. It's like that, yes. that <laughs> compulsion we have when we were reading a chapter of a book. We want to get to the end, if the end yes. seems in reach. If you flip a few pages and it looks like it's just like giant blocks of text for like five more pages, you're like, oh, I'll read this tomorrow. But if exactly. you're if it's only a little bit more to go and it doesn't look too daunting, you, you go for the end. Like We're finishers yeah. at, at heart. It,
1: exactly. And that's And that's what I tell people – in the book is that to get good at this, you should be using proper copywriting everywhere. If you're writing a blog post about your new puppy on, you know, a post for Facebook or on Twitter or any, well, Twitter's different, but on any place, use copywriting, use the blank lines, use hooks, and then you'll be good at it. And you know what? When you send out a broadcast or build an autoresponder campaign to your email list, you're going to get them to read through to the end more, which means the chance of them clicking on whatever you're asking them to click in yeah, the and go.
0: Yeah, and
1: if you do that constantly, you're training your readers that oh, here's some good stuff in my inbox. I want to open it because of the copywriting. Yeah. When I post something on Twenty Books. I will invariably get comments where people say, oh, I love your posts. I always read them. And so I have trained people to know that, okay, here's a post from Brian Meeks in 20 books to 50K. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. They're going to read it. And so why not use copywriting on your description, on all of your correspondence, on any time you want to have a person take an action,
0: yeah, there's no there's no way that that's not going to serve you well even if it's in a business exactly. correspondence email like you will get a response better yes. if everyone reads the details. You want people to pay attention to what you're writing and actually absorb it, which will work in every facet of your life, obviously. Absolutely, um, which is super cool. Um, can we get it like you mentioned for example uh with your hook with your opening line, you mentioned that you you usually keep it less than 6 words um yes. and you're always trying to get person to go from one sentence to the next sentence. Besides yeah. your Um, sort of unusual use of ellipses, what other kinds of tricks and hooks can you recommend that you've tried out in your years of experience of getting this person to transition from one line to the next? Besides brevity, besides blank space and ellipses? Well, it's,
1: you know, there there are certain themes in different genres, certain, you know, in thriller genres, you want to maybe touch on well, it's a thriller. Is there a murder? Uh, you know, it's, it's a serial killer. Again, it depends on who the audience is, what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. But within each genre, there are probably really good hook words, things like maybe in fantasy, if you can work dragon into one of those opening, uh, three lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, again, it just, it varies so much across genre. Now, the success of copywriting doesn't vary across genre, but you have to approach it differently. So, yeah. you're knowing the things that people like in your genre, if it's romance and you re- write reverse harem, uh, you know, she, she, she never thought she could love more than one man. Or something like that, no, uh, no, or, yeah. or, 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 or or better, could she could she really be in love? Dot 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 with more than one man. Mm-hmm. There there's an opening hook to a reverse harem, and so you really try to get in the mind of the reader. And, and most authors, we write in genres that we enjoy reading, so mm-hmm. we should know that answer. Yeah. If you're a romance writer and you've never written a sci-fi thriller uh, you, you probably should be writing romance if you're a romance reader mm-hmm. don't go writing sci-fi thrillers write what you enjoy because it will help you come up with better hope. Yeah.
0: It absolutely does and it's going to make you a better writer too. I was recently um, doing some studying of I was rereading the first couple pages of The Hunger Games over and over again and I was amazed at how much she manages she has a four four sentence paragraph followed by a seven sentence paragraph followed by a then she dives right into like a 14 sentence paragraph but it's the save the cat it's her talking about a cat Oh shit. so right out of the gate we've got a really strong hook in her opening paragraph which ends with ends with a question today's the day of the reaping and you're like well what the heck is the reaping i mean obviously in your oh, mind how- you're like well how you know someone's having a nightmare prim's having a nightmare in the opening paragraph and oh, of course she is because it's the reaping well the, but then she leaves that question hanging for several pages
1: because you don't know that, what, you do find out what the grouping loop. is. That's an open loop. Yeah. And, and and it's it's a powerful technique. Now I am not suggesting people should write their prose as copywriting, but you can use some of those techniques. Mm-hmm. You can put a hook in, and I tend to finish chapters with some sort of question or lingering thing that, that that's an open loop. Yeah. and then and then you close them up throughout the course of yeah. the novel yeah. and it, may, it makes it stronger and if you do that you get a person to the end of your book more quickly yeah. because they read those extra pages and oh, one more chapter uh, oh we've changed point of view to this character well I'll read this chapter because I see the next chapter is back to maybe answering the question and, and you get them through the book yeah. which then gets to the next book yeah. and if you can shorten, shorten the length of time it takes readers or, or it, like the time readers spend reading your books. Yeah. It's better for your bottom line.
0: I think it's good that to uh, adapt your style to the times and the times have changed. Obviously, if you look at classic novels from the past, there were these huge big blocks of text written in third person, sort of omniscient prose. Whereas now yes. we want, we want short, punchy immediacy. We want, um, you know, narrative distance to be a lot closer. We want to be right in the action. Um, so times have changed and I think it pays it's, you know, behooves a writer these days to pay attention and and to adapt. And yours, your, your description book obviously is, is very timely. Um, And it's, it's obvious that you're paying attention to the, to the trends. And I think that's, that's fantastic. I understand you have a Facebook group that goes along with this book as well.
1: Yes. Mastering Amazon descriptions. Mm -hmm. It's open to everyone. My mastering Amazon ads group is, I say, you know, I kind of want people to have bought the, Uh, Mastering Amazon Ads book and Mm -hmm. have read it because otherwise uh, the questions get the the questions are are pretty beginner and, and it's kind of a more advanced group but this group anybody can join even if you haven't bought the book the value of Mastering Amazon Descriptions and Authors Guide group on Facebook is that it's a community where authors help each other with their descriptions and so you can read my book you can put in your your new attempt at the description and get good feedback which yeah. is the way we improve and and also I tell people to help others because it's the hardest description to write is on a book you've written. Yeah. It's much easier to posted. write a description on a book where the only information you have is the person's old description. You take those bits mm-hmm. and you turn them into proper copywriting and that's how you learn the skill. That's interesting, yeah.
0: Um, I have to ask you about something, because you, you do something that I think is fairly unique to you. You're um, a blatant self-promoter when it comes to your, oh, your book, absolutely. and um, there's a lot of just sort of, um, I, call, I guess, you know, just shameless self-promotion. Like One of the exercises you have people do right in the beginning of the book is uh, write a Facebook post about your book and yeah, uh, using absolutely. copywriting. Um, have yeah, have I, people responded to that? Have you gotten a lot of people actually oh, doing that?
1: The, the, I, I don't know what... The percentages of the total sales that do that but some people do it and it does lead to more sales and you know i'm proud of the book Mm -hmm. i think it it is absolutely crucial to helping authors succeed i believe that anybody that takes this stuff seriously will do better there's an important chapter in there on understanding that how to do the analysis to figure it out because I've had uh, a lot of time people they don't listen to me. They say, "Oh, well my sales haven't changed or or something and or, and they haven't ca- did you figure out what the the KU page read downloads were?" Well, no.
0: Right.
1: And so and, yeah, and then, and then I I I walked through and I had a, a guy the other day that was like, "Oh, my descriptions converting at 1 in 33." Okay, well let's let's just check your math and Give me the sales, give me the clicks, and what are the KU downloads? Why well, I didn't figure that. Well, it was 1 in 16 after we did the proper math. And mm-hmm. so he was declaring defeat without doing math. And so it, it, the math is simple stuff. It's really easy math. But you have to read that chapter and you have to do it correctly because I think some authors are defeatist. Mm-hmm. They're negative. The little voice in their head. They try something new, and they're looking for failure to to so they can declare failure right out of the gate. And this stuff works. Like I say, I've redone hundreds and hundreds of these descriptions for people. Uh, I, I have a woman friend who writes uh, middle grade books, and she went from you know a few thousand a year to she's probably going to break six figures this year. Well, she was on pace at six months, she was over fifty thousand in net profit. And and she attributes it to AMS ads and the yeah. descriptions. Because yeah. once she had copywriting in there, she was hooking in these parents that were buying books for their middle grade kids.
0: Yeah. And like I said, it is the the whole linchpin in the entire business model is your sales page. So if you're going to fix one thing in your business, like fixing your book description is probably the most important thing that you can get right. 100%. Because it doesn't matter how great your ads are. It doesn't matter how great your website is. If it all funnels to the sales page and the sales page is broken, nothing else is going to work.
1: That's, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And The other amazing thing about copywriting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I went from, as I said earlier, I put off writing the description for 60 days because the only part of the book business I hated was writing the descriptions. And there are listeners out there that are the same way. They hate descriptions. The realities are for me and for many, many people I've talked to, once they've been through this book, once they've started writing proper copywriting for their descriptions, once they've started doing that on Facebook, once they've written their first email blast using proper copywriting and they start to see the results, it goes from something you hate to incredibly satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell the quick story of the copywriting miracle, if I may. Sure, please do. A, A woman in the Facebook group posted using proper copywriting. She said, I bought the book, I started writing, this isn't an exact quote, but I bought the book, I started reading. It was fantastic. I was hooked until... (laughs) I got to chapter 43, and then I was stuck. I couldn't go on. I needed the link. And so I saw her post that, like like when it went up on Facebook, and so I went and I looked up chapter 43. Mm -hmm. I didn't think to put links into these 40 books because the goal of Mastering Amazon Descriptions was not to sell these other authors' books. Mm -hmm. It never occurred to me that maybe some people would want to buy some of the books they were reading the descriptions for, so I went and I got the link and I put it in there. A few minutes later, she wrote back. I just bought the book. What I want you to understand that's important here is that in my entire life, I have never owned a cookbook. I have never wanted a cookbook. I've never considered buying a cookbook. I got to the end of your description and I had to own this cookbook. Yeah. And, she, and, and so my description sold a book to a woman who was not in the market for a cookbook, yeah, she was trying to learn copywriting, and she had to buy the book. That is, that is my greatest copywriting triumph. Yeah, it works. It absolutely works.
0: Yeah, you managed to sell someone else's cookbook to someone who didn't actually even want a cookbook, which it is a yeah, it's, it's brilliant. It's it's, it's phenomenal. And well you 've already sold me I 'm um, definitely going to download my copy today. like I said I 've already had a glimpse of it. I looked at the look inside. I read the first four chapters already uh, easily because it was fun. It was entertaining. I was um, even though I 'm not necessarily the most you know I like data to the point where I have to like it, but um, it's not my you know my primary focus, but I enjoyed this book I've, I'm, I've had a lot of fun reading it so far, and I think a lot of other people will too. so I think you've done a really good thing here. In, well, thanks. You've, you've presented this information, obviously, that we need, that's important, that's timely, and you've done it in an entertaining fashion, which I think is Well, thank you. is is fantastic. So um, we've managed to, to blaze through our episode time limit and, and, and beyond, uh, of course, as, as usual. But um, Brian, where can people, so besides the Facebook group, anywhere else people should contact you, um, find out more information well, about you, what you do.
1: The- they can reach out to me on Facebook. I accept most friend requests. I, I, I think I still have space for a few more. I've probably got a thousand. I'm at like four thousand friends. So yeah. they can reach out to me through are. Facebook Messenger. But, uh, email, I mean email, I don't even check email anymore. I do everything through Facebook. So yeah. uh, that that's, that's how you reach out to me.
0: Okay. That's the best place. Fantastic. And of course, I did drop a link to the, uh, Amazon descriptions Facebook group in the comments. So if you're uh, watching this later, you want to browse through the comments or if you listen to the episode, uh, on pod, on the podcast, you want to check out the, uh, the Facebook group for Amazon descriptions. Um, definitely do that and, um, and come, come hang out because I will be there for sure. So, and, I, and obviously Brian will be there. So we'll be able to share some stories about our, our successful changes to our, our descriptions and copywriting. Um, Brian, again, it's always a pleasure having you on the show. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. This has been a blast.
1: I, I love doing it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and um, thanks, everyone, for commenting and, and for listening. And uh, we appreciate you, you. If you enjoyed this show, feel free to share it somewhere. Uh, if you have other authors who you think might be interested in this information or other friends, uh, feel free to share this episode. We would appreciate that. And we'll see you back here again next week for another great interview. So long.